Welcome to the Ask a Professional program. I'm Katherine Watson, and I'll be your host today. Uh, I want to let you know that you can submit your own questions for an elder care expert to answer on the findhoustonseniorcare.com website. Just click on the Ask a Professional tab in the menu at the top, and it'll come up with a form. Uh, there's lots of different elder care professionals that are uh, happy to answer any of the questions that you may have. Today, though, I'm really excited to be back with Luita Evanson. She's a hospice social worker with Silverado Hospice, and she's answered calls for us before. She's answered questions, rather. So Luita has a lot of experience in the world of hospice, and this is an area that I think a lot of families have a lot of confusion and misconceptions about. And Luita is going to be able to help clear up some of those misconceptions. And the one today that somebody wrote in is a very common one. The reader today wrote in, I thought you had to have cancer to be on hospice. What is the criteria to be qualified? Luita, thank you so much for being on the program. And how would you answer this? Well, first of all, thank you, Catherine, for inviting me. And yes, this is a much-asked question. And, you know, when hospice became a benefit in the 1980s, um, it was mostly used for cancer, and it was used for cancer at the very end of life. And so that's where that myth or misconception kind of grew from. But it's actually, you would have be eligible for hospice or appropriate for hospice. You have to have a diagnosis that if your condition in, in the way that you are at this moment was to continue as is, you would have six months or less to live, okay? Now, a lot of people will come on hospice and they'll be at that point and they actually start feeling better after they get on hospice. So the best time to go on hospice actually is whenever you reach that point so that you do get that quality because it's a wraparound theory where there's a team of people that come to you rather than you going to the doctor. Some of the diseases that would make you eligible for a hospice would be, of course, cancer, dementia, heart disease, liver disease, pulmonary disease, renal disease, stroke, and coma. Now, and then also at times you can have different diseases that are working to, to bring down your vulnerability that work together. So let's say you have a combination, and a combination of the two would help make you eligible for hospice. Um, the thing to know whenever, you know, you wonder, well, when do I know when that time is? That time would be, if you, see, if you have a loved one and you see that, you know, and they have one of these diseases or they're elderly and you just start, you notice a, a, just a change where they suddenly have a lot of falls or they have a lot of loss of weight, um, maybe some more confusion than usual, um, a lot of urinary tract infections or just plain infections. So suddenly all of a sudden they're just, you see them with a lot of just infections. I don't know how to put that. But, um, or a lot of hospitalizations. You know, all of a sudden, you know, mom has always been very healthy, 
and she's been in the hospital in the last six months. She's been in the hospital three times for three different things. But that's showing that they're having a decline in their health. So um, to be able to do this also, you know, it, it has to have a doctor's orders. So whichever doctor that you feel the closest to or you feel that you trust their opinion and you think maybe your, your mom or you yourself is getting to that place, ask you, you know, would hospice, is it a time in my life that hospice would benefit me? And they'll be honest with you and, and let you know that. And then they would write an order uh, for hospice. And the thing to know about hospice is there are a lot of hospices out there. So and they, we all go by the same Medicare benefits. So, you know, if you have a hospice you want to go to, you can, you can tell your doctor that. And then the doctors also have hospices that they use, too. And he would write the order, and they would get a hold of them and have them come out, and they would do an evaluation uh, to make sure that you are eligible. And at that time, then you would be admitted onto hospice. You brought up a good point, Louita. Uh, you talked about the fact that, you know, doctors a lot of times will have hospices that they work with, but you're also able to choose your own. And I really want to stress that. Uh, families need to understand that the choice is always yours. You get to choose. Hospice is a very personal uh, service. Um, I think you need to um, feel a uh, connection with the team that's going to be in and out of your home or wherever it is that, that they're going to be caring for your loved one. Um, I think this is something that you want to look at a couple of places. You don't want to look at too many because you'll just get overwhelmed. But I do think it's important for you to get a couple of recommendations, maybe one from your doctor and one from somebody else. And, uh, and, and then interview those two companies and see which one you feel most comfortable with. Uh, because it's that about the comfort of the family. Yeah. It is. It's about the patient and the family. And mm -hmm. always keep that in mind because it is. It's about you. This is your life story. And these are the people that are going to come in and be with you and be with you at a, at a very important time in your life and in your family's life. So it's right. Two to three, I wouldn't, you know, that's probably as many as you would want to do. But Absolutely. That, that when they say that, you know, that you do want to be able to, it is your choice because it is about you. Absolutely. That is so important for families to know. Um, the whole team approach with hospice, I just want to talk about that a little bit more because I think that is the the critical piece and that's something when you talk to different hospice companies, you need to ask them about what is their team approach, how does that work, who will be on the team, and um, you might also ask if you can meet some of those team members. What do you, what do you think about that, Louita? I think that's great. I think that would be a great idea. Uh, to at least meet your nurse, who would be your nurse. Um, because, it, like I said, we, we all go by the same Medicare rules, but everybody approaches it just a little bit different. Um, mm -hmm. You'll have your, your medical director, which is your, the doctor for the hospice. Now, you, and I need to stress that you can also just keep your own doctor on, 
uh, to follow you if you, you choose, or you could use the medical director that is with the hospice. It's usually better to use the medical director for the hospice for at least your diagnosis so that you don't have confusion with the mm-hmm. medications and then, and then they collaborate with your doctor, okay? Um, then you have an RN case manager, which will be your nurse. Um, now, I can't say that you would be, always be the only nurse that will come in the home, and I need to express this because this happens sometimes. People, because you, you know, all nurses have to sleep too and go home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you, you know, I don't know why, but they do, you know. But um, okay, so you will, you will have your own nurse that actually takes care of your case. But then on the weekends and in the evenings, there's a nurse available 24-7 for every hospice. There's a nurse mm-hmm. available 24-7 to be there. So, you know, there may be an occasion that another nurse will come out if your nurse is not available. But each person does have one. Each person is, has a home health aide. And with the home health aide, they come in and they help with the hygiene and maybe a little light housework, change the sheets, things like that. Mm-hmm. Don't care for that patient. Uh, the social worker is the person that helps you with all, all your family members with all your resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, you know, there's a lot of different things that a social worker is available for. Um, you know, if you have to apply for maybe Medicaid or help getting a provider in the home, help you find personal care homes, you know, that, that's what their role is. Mm-hmm. Spiritual care counselors or chaplains, and they're there, you know, that's not a religion thing. It is a spirituality. Mm-hmm. It's about you. You know, right. maybe somebody you can talk to that is outside of your family, outside of your circle, and really... Talk to them about how you feel about what's happening. And, and that is good for both the family and the person who is actually using the hospice service. Um, they, they don't just work with the person using the hospice service. They, they service the whole family. And I think that's what's different about hospice service versus any other service out there. Right. You know, with hospice, with the hospice philosophy, that the family is the patient also. Absolutely. All included in. And each family will have a different set of needs. You might have one mm-hmm. person that it's just straight clinical. And, you know, they, need a, they have a lot of medical issues, but really not a lot of social issues. You might have one family member that, or one patient that has a lot of family things going on that they need some help with or to just be there because and then you know then you might have somebody that just really wants somebody spiritual. So the the biggest thing I can stress is that it's about you and your family. These are mm-hmm. all people that are just available in whatever way that you need them. And let's say you come on and you say, I don't need let's say a spiritual care counselor right now or a home health aide right now. I don't feel like I, I just don't feel like that's at my need. Okay, a month later, you think you, you're ready for that. You can add them in. Again, it's very liquid, and it's very much about the family and the patient. And there's one more question I, I wanted to add to this is the volunteers. Mm-hmm. Volunteers, I just say, oh, wonderful. <laughs> 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 just, um, you know, they're there because they want to be there. 
Right. So it's not something to be afraid to say, I really like to have a volunteer come in and worry about, you know, them not wanting to come because they're there because they want to be. Mm-hmm. They can come and for a, so many different reasons to have a volunteer, um, they can come in just to read. They could come in and help us in my housework. They can come in and be there with the family or be there with the patient while the family needs to run an errand. I mean, and so that's a wide gamut. And that's another thing that you can add on anytime. You know, mm-hmm. you may not need it, but um, we had a family this last weekend that wanted to go to a graduation. So they called and a volunteer came in so they could go to that graduation. Cause it's a oh. quality of life for the patient and the family at this time. Right, right. Well, this has been very informative. I really appreciate you coming out, Louita. And uh, listeners, please go to the Ask a Professional, uh, go to the findhoustonseniorcare.com website and click on the Ask a Professional tab to submit your own question. Louita will be back from time to time, I'm sure, answering some of those questions. Thanks again, Louita, and uh, we'll see you next time. Okay, we'll see you then. Thanks. Bye-bye.